0: Well, here we are, almost 2019, and uh, I thought that by now I would be flying to church or something like that, so I'm a little disappointed to be here at 2019 and, and not flying to church, but I'm glad to be alive, I'm glad to be with you this morning, and it's good to have all of you here, and to be together as we turn the page to the next year, and say we bid adieu, farewell to 2018, and uh, and that's a big a big turning of the page. I did receive a request for prayer this morning for um, Jimmy Greer who has the flu. And also David Cantrell, a longtime member here uh, who's having heart trouble. So if you will, join me in a word of prayer for these two. Father, we're mindful of Jimmy and that he's not in our midst today. And we just pray that you would help him in this time. We pray for all of the medicinal uh, efforts that are being made to ease that and to help him through uh, this time. We know that this is a, a time of sickness And we just pray protection for every person here in this season. And Father, we're mindful of David, and we miss him, and we just pray uh, for his heart and for all of the advances and the things that they're doing to try to help him. Bless him, give him strength in his spirit and in his soul. And bless us today as we pray and as we worship and as we study. And it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So, 2018. I don't know what kind of a year it was for you, and, it, and like most people, it's probably kind of a mixed year because you know, not every year can be just victory after victory after victory, can it? No, actually, uh, things happen, troubles happen, struggles happen, and, and for the church here, it's been a very successful year, which I'm very happy and proud, of. and I thank you because. It's because of your efforts and it's because of the blessing of God that so much has happened in this year. And so thank you for your efforts and for your prayers, uh, for the work here and for what's been done and what's going on. And I'm excited about 2019. And while we celebrate that, I know that for some of us, it's also been a tough year as individuals. That we come here and we celebrate the the work that's being done and and the efforts and the, the successes. But we also have things in our own lives, our own struggles, our own fears, our own challenges, our own pains. And some of those we know about, some of those you share with me. And some of my struggles and my challenges I share with you. And I'm also mindful that there are many things and struggles that I don't know about with some of you. And so it brings me to what I want to talk to you about today. And that is my prayer for you in 2019. Yes, I get to stand up here and talk to you. And I I think it's it's an immense honor for me to get to preach here. This is uh, the anniversary of the Sunday in which I got to take over this pulpit. Six years, and I'm very happy about that. And I thank you for being in the pew. Because there's been some Sundays where I had a lot more pews than people. And that's okay. But I like seeing you out there. And I thank you for Letting me be a part of your life. But I'm mindful of that passage in Philippians 1 and 3, which says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you, all with joy. I want you to know that this year I want to pray for you, I want to pray with where you are in your life wherever that may be you may be at the top of the hill you may be the definition of success or you may be in a valley i want to pray for you prayer is so powerful and so important And that half of my work here isn't just up here, it's at home on my knees praying for you. And the longer that I spend time as a minister and as a preacher, the more time that I spend time on my knees in prayer to God, understanding my limitations, understanding the lack of power that I have, and understanding who has it, because I don't have it. Understanding that God is with us. The efficacy of prayer is talked about in Scripture. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Availeth much. I need that availing power in my life. And prayer is talked about as the oxygen of the Christian life that without prayer... It's like not having oxygen, not having air, to pray without ceasing, to living our lives in prayer to God, to praising Him, to thanking Him, living in gratitude to Him. Prayer is so important. Prayer represents a moment where we can withdraw from the world. And let me tell you, I need to withdraw from the world at times. The world with its influence. The world with its distractions. The world with its sorrows. The world with its attachments. And I need to withdraw from all of that. I need to withdraw from all of the noise. I need to withdraw from all of the division. And find God. To find God. Him who loves me. To find that light. Prayer is not walking by sight. It's closing your eyes to the world and walking by faith, isn't it? Prayer is a life of intentionality too. A lot of people you find in life, they live their lives by the law of least resistance. You know what I'm talking about? I'm going to do what's easiest. I'm going to do what's, what isn't a challenge for my life. I'm going to live the easiest life I can live, and that's the, la- the path of least resistance. But the life of prayer is one of intentionality. If you're living in prayer, you're letting that prayer life lead you. It's not always easy. We're living our lives centered in the desires of God Himself and in His priority. Prayer is living in communion, living in connection with God. I need that connection. I need that strength. I need to depend on Him because over here, I'm weak. Over here, I don't have all the answers. I need wisdom. And it says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. And I need some answers for my life. Don't you? I need some answers for 2019. God, help us. God, give me an answer. I also need... I need some assurance. Not insurance. I need assurance. I need to know that God is there. It says in 1 John 4, 14, now this is the confidence... The assurance that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. I need God to hear me today. I need God to hear you today. So that I can petition Him, that I can let Him know. And it says, casting all of our cares on Him, for He cares for us. Prayer is also a commitment. A commitment of time. A commitment of faith. And it's not always easy, but I'm, I'm reminded of a church. The Moravian Church over in Europe. This was two or 300 years ago. And they started the modern day missionary movement. People weren't doing missionary work back then. And the Moravian Church, they had it in their hearts to start sending out missionaries. But they didn't just start sending them all. There was a guy by the name of this, and this is a unique name, Count Zinzendorf. Wait a minute. Zinzendorf. I would ask you to say that with me, but I'm going to spare you. But he renounced his life of affluence, he renounced it to become a missionary, to become a minister. And what, was ha- what happened to this church was interesting. When he came to this church and this community, it was falling apart. They weren't unified. They were bickering and fighting. And he said, let's pray. And in fact, what the idea was, was an hourly intercession. And what they did was that they teamed up 24 men and 24 women, and each of them prayed for one hour a day which resulted in two people praying fervently at the same time every hour upon the hour, 24 hours a day. And they said the reason that they did this was to lie prostrate before the throne both day and night, offering to Him the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving for all of His kindness shown unto them. And two, to lay before the Savior the distress. In the case of all who were known to them in or out of the congregation. They saw the need within their congregation. They saw the need in their communities. And they said, we're going to start praying about it. And things began to change. In fact, more and more people joined that team of prayer warriors and they began to pray and they sent out more and more missionaries. And as a result, that prayer vigil lasted over a hundred years. Over a hundred years. People on their knees praying to God hour after hour after hour. Prayers of intercession and that's what I want to do for you in the coming year is to pray for you, and I hope that you pray for me, to make intercession for one another. What is a prayer of intercession? It's a, it's a fancy word, kind of, isn't it? Intercession. But I think intercession is best illustrated by, by something like a 911 call. And on the internet, I saw where this young girl, she was five years old. Her name was Savannah. And she called 911 for her father who was having heart pains. And the father was incapacitated. He couldn't talk because the pains were so ba- bad in his chest. And the little girl got on the phone and she called for help. And during this cute little, they had it recorded. And you can listen to it on the internet. But she said, it's going to be okay, daddy. She said, oh, by the way, i got to get dressed. I'm in my jammies. But some of us need to make a 911 call for somebody, don't we? And that's what a prayer of intercession is. And what we see in Scripture is that people are making intercession for each other. That's what happened with Abraham. Abraham saw that God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah And he didn't like the idea of it because he said, God, what if there's 50 people in there that are righteous? Please, save the cities. If there's 50 in there righteous, will you hold off? He appeals to God's justice and His mercy. And God says, sorry, there's not 50 in there. Goes down to 45, goes down to 30, goes down to 10. And there's not even 10 righteous people in the city. It says there were great injustices and wickedness in that city. It says that fire rained down from heaven in judgment of it. What's interesting, this year, archaeologists found evidence of a meteor hitting where Sodom and Gomorrah used to be. You can read about it. It was in Science News News. Not exactly where you go for biblical information. They said that the heat was so hot it was hotter than the sun in that place. It wiped out 300 square miles and the land was unable to produce crops for 600 years. Boy, they needed some intercession, didn't they? Abraham tried. Moses tried. He made intercession in Numbers 14 for the people. He prayed for the people over and over. He begged God, please. And he says, I pardoned according to your word, Moses. Jesus made intercession for you. In John chapter 17, Jesus prayed for you and me. It says that not only do I pray for those now, but I pray for those who will believe on your word after. And then there's Paul who says... Always, in every prayer of mine, making requests for you. All with joy. God wants us to pray for all people everywhere. It says, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. All people everywhere. To pray for each other. And this year... There are several things I want to pray for you. Number one, I want to pray for your health. I want you to be healthy. It says in the Bible in 3 John 1:2 Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. I want you to be well. I want your body to be well. I want you to be healthy. It says in Proverbs 3 that a part of health is actually doing what God wants us to do. It says in Proverbs, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil, and it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. When we live according to God's Word, our health gets better. Because we recognize that we're working with God on our health. Because ultimately God has made you a caretaker of the temple. You're a caretaker of the temple of God. You know, a few months ago when, when the vandals broke in, they didn't do too much, thank the Lord. But they disrupted a few things. They turned things upside down and we forgave them. But we don't like people vandalizing this building, do we? But God says, know you not that you are the temple of God and that His Holy Spirit dwells in you. And so if you're going to live in health, you've got to take care of the temple. Take care of yourselves. I've got to take care of myself. I've got to eat better. I've got to exercise. I don't need to be vandalizing the temple that God gave me. And then Paul says, you've been bought with the price of the blood of Jesus being caretakers of the temple it says in isaiah 4031 i was reading the other night isaiah and it says but to those who wait on the lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint isn't that a beautiful verse for 2019 that to wait on the Lord and let Him to renew your strength so that you can run and not be weary and walk and not be faint. I pray for health for you. Good health. I also pray, number two, for happiness for you. I want you to be happy. I want us all to sing the Pharrell song, Happy. Just kidding. Happiness is something that everybody seeks, isn't it? It's multidimensional. We want happiness. And the world seeks happiness almost exclusively, circumstantially. That if I get my circumstances right, then I'll have happiness. That's how the world does it. You gotta have the right circumstances when everything lines up like you want it, then all of a sudden, for that magic moment, boom, I'm happy. The problem is, circumstances change, don't they? Lives change, and we're in constant flux. Life is fluid, and it's constantly changing, so the circumstances never quite match what I want. They just don't. We seek it in pleasure. We seek it in food. We seek it in sexuality, alcohol, wealth, recognition, achievement. And it's always a step away. But what God says... In Psalms 1, he talks about happiness. The first word of Psalms has to do with happiness. He says, blessed. Blessed is the man. Happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its seasons, whose leaf shall not wither. God talks about a happiness that's not rooted in circumstance, but it's rooted in him. It's not centric on how my circumstances are, it's centric to the person of God because God never changes. And as a result, I can find a happiness, a joy that's interminable, not fading. My prayer is for health. My prayer is for happiness. And my prayer is also for Your holiness. When we start to look at life, we begin to see that there is a prevailing, pervading sacredness to life. And what God wants us to do is to reverence the boundaries that he set in this life. There's boundaries in life, aren't there? We know boundaries. We naturally have boundaries. When someone invades your boundaries, what do you do? You say, "Back up." Or I'm not I'm going to get out of here. But there's boundaries to life. There's boundaries to what we do in honesty. There's boundaries in every aspect of life and what God wants us to do is live according to those boundaries that are good for us. There's a sacredness about life. There's a sacredness to your vocation. To what you do for a living. You say, well, I don't... How can there be a sacredness to to what I do for a living? The sacredness is in how and why you do it. That's where you find the sacredness is is in how and why you do what you do. Sacredness in the home and family. That I should honor my wife, that I should honor my children and be the man that I'm supposed to be in the home. There's a sacredness to even our neighbor. And that's why I should respect and love my neighbor. But I want your life to be consecrated to the service of God in whatever you do. And that's what Paul says in Romans 12. He says, I beseech you therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable. And he says, giving your life as a holy sacrifice unto God in Romans 12. And what that requires is an inward life of integrity. It also requires an outward life of obedience and a decision for destiny. And that covers it. What's on the inside is a response to God's grace and his relationship, an outward life of obedience and a decision to redeem the time right now. And my last prayer for you in 2019, which might sound a little strange, but my prayer for you is heaven. It's heaven. Because it's in heaven. It's in the consummation of Christ's coming to where all these prayers will be answered. And when that prayer is answered in heaven, it will be answered so convincingly that none of us, none of us dare doubt God ever again because it will be so real and so pure and so perfect. Eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things in which God has prepared for those who love Him. My prayer for you is health, happiness, holiness, and heaven. God loves you, and I do too. The Bible says... To become a Christian is to begin in that awareness of who God is. That He is the Creator. That He loved us into existence. He loved us as a Father. And that He wants us to live in such a way that honors Him and honors ourselves and honors our neighbor. He wants us to turn from sin that destroys us and confess Him to be the Son of the living God and to be immersed or baptized into the church And to begin that walk. And that walk isn't always easy. No. There's going to be days where things are difficult. There's going to be challenges. The devil will throw everything at you. And sometimes it's when the devil's throwing everything at you that you know you're doing right. But the Bible says to persist and trust. And that's my prayer for you this year. If you have any need, we're going to sing this next song to encourage you to come forward as together we stand and as we sing.